We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Here we go. How are we doing? You're well? You're good? If we haven't met, uh, my name's Ben, one of the pastors here, and it's good to have you here today. And uh, we've been talking about maturity and faith. That doesn't mean you're old. The Bible talks about, Paul talks about it a lot actually, it talks about growing in faith, roots going down deeper, going from milk to solid. So we're meant to grow in our faith and that's how we follow Jesus, that's how we live as followers of Jesus. And it's got nothing to do with age, it's all to do with how we follow Jesus and how that affects our life. And uh, I don't work with teenagers as much anymore. But it's the same issues whether you're 12 or 82, right? But what happens is it's good to deal with them when you're 12 because because you don't have mortgages and marriages and careers. And so what happens is if you don't, it's best to deal with these things when you're 12 because then then you get a bit of a head start in life. It's insecurities when you're 12 and 82. It's fear. It's self-control. It's all the same stuff. It just changes as we get older, right? It actually gets harder to deal with, I think. And, uh, and so maturity is following Jesus, how we follow Jesus. We've just been talking about that. And uh, Darren preached last week, he had this handout. And just a few observations of what maturity in Jesus is. And, and it's not an all-encompassing list, but it's living a life by love. It's living in communion with God, living in the Word, living a life of trust, surrender and obedience, living with integrity and character living a generous life, living as an active part of the community, living as an ambassador, living in light of eternity. So maturity and faith. And, and we're going to have another look at it from even a different angle today. And uh, we're going to read from, uh, it's the last chapter of Matthew, Matthew 28. And Jesus has died. He's risen from the grave. And this is some of his last words. Last words. And we'll read up, I think we've got from verse 16. And it says, then the 11 disciples, because Judas is gone, and the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because he's got all authority on heaven and earth, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you've been around church, you you might know this is the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Uh, I've been given all authority. That's a lot of authority. I've been given all authority over everything on heaven and on earth. So because I've got all authority, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, and be sure of this wherever you go, whoever you talk to, whatever you do, however you feel, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Wow. Go and make disciples. 
Someone who's mature in faith, I think, is someone who makes disciples. Go and make disciples. You know, we're disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple. We know as the 12 disciples, and they were people, Jesus said, hey, you, come and follow me. And we read there's actually a whole bunch of others that were following him. There was a bunch of uh, women who funded the whole thing, and a few others. And Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. So someone who follows Jesus is a disciple. So me and you, we are disciples. And Jesus told them, now you are to go and make disciples. So a true disciple of Jesus, someone mature in faith, is someone who makes disciples. And that sounds a little bit intimidating because Jesus did it and we're not Jesus, right? <laughs> and so what does it mean to make disciples? That's to help, teach, lead, support. It's to help people follow Jesus. Lead people, teach people to follow Jesus. Maturity of faith is not just following Jesus, but it's helping, leading, supporting, teaching other people to follow Jesus. It's a big step. It goes from me to we. It goes from just me to us. It goes from me to there's a greater purpose in what I'm doing because I'm following Jesus. Go and make disciples. And, and it's not a suggestion just for the pastors or the leaders or the people person, right? Um, we, we read about the disciples. I don't think Thomas would have been the people person. No one likes a, a negative Nancy as a people person. I don't think people would have been attracted to Thomas's personality. And, and, but Thomas was there, and Jesus told Thomas, go and make disciples. Simon the Zealot, he would have been the crazy one. Go and make... There's nothing to do with personality, what we're good at, what we're not good at. If you're a follower of Jesus, the command is to go and make disciples. So it's not just for me, who's a part, it's not just for Darren, it's not just for the worship God, it's not just for the kids leaders, it's not just for the chatty people because they're good at talking to people. It's for each and every one of us, if we're a mature follower of Jesus, if we're a disciple, the command is to go and make disciples. It's a big thing, right? And I was thinking about that. And we'll just... just Come with me for a sec. We, we just had our, our third child and our first boy, Teddy. And everyone keeps saying he looks like me. And which I find strange because he's a baby. And I'm not. I don't see it. Like, he's a baby. I'm not. Like, we look really different. right? Um, but people keep assuring me you, he looks just like you. So I don't know if that's good for him or good for me or not good for anyone. Right? But apparently, there's a little Ben. Apparently, it's his nose, his ears, his eyes. He's got... Really short legs and a really long torso. That's what I've got as well. Right? Um, he's, he loves food. Right? He's got energy. And so apparently I've created a little me. So you're welcome. Right? Congratulations. Strap yourselves in. And uh, we're on. It shouldn't be that much of a surprise because he's my child, right? If he came out looking very different, there'd be different issues, right? You create what you like. I cre we created, I created, we created, Tali did a lot of it. We created it, children and they bear resemblances to us. And they're just babies. Imagine when they're older. I was thinking about this. And we're told to go and make disciples. And if I'm going to make a disciple, if I'm going to help, lead, teach, guide people on how to follow Jesus, 
I'm probably going to lead, teach, guide people. I'm probably going to make disciples that are like me. Now that's intimidating. Maybe intimidating is not the right word, but that, that should make us think. Because if I'm called to make a disciple, I'm, I'm, I should probably check I'm following Jesus like I should be. And so I reckon in a fortnight, I'll, I'll preach again. I'm probably going to talk about making disciples. We might get a bit practical. But today, I thought we might just have a, a step back and look at, actually, what does it look like to be a disciple? Because I'm commanded, I'm called to make disciples, as we all are, as a part of our walk with Jesus. And by the way, it's not as intimidating as it sounds, right? But now and then, I think we need to just stop and check, how am I following Jesus? And, and that's what I'm just going to just talk a little bit about today. And, and I've got a few points, but it's not an all-encompassing list, right? It's just a few things I feel God put on my heart. And my prayer is that, that God will even put new ones on your heart. And, and I haven't got a specific verse. I'm just, the, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they all show the life of Jesus and how Jesus got his disciples to follow him and what it looked like to be a disciple. I thought that's a great place to start, right? Because if I want to be a disciple, maybe I should look at what the disciples did. And so I've just got a few observations, but my prayer is that God will just speak to you even more, to speak to us about how we can follow Jesus. So let's just pray, God, have your way in this today. Guide us, teach us, challenge us, encourage us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, God. You are Lord, not us. So have your way in the name of Jesus. Amen. The first thing I think about a disciple is they're a learner. A learner. Got their old plates on. You look at the life of Jesus, he's always teaching them. The story of Mary and Martha and the disciples. Mary and Martha were arguing because one of them was sitting down and hearing the teaching of Jesus and the others weren't. See, Jesus always talking to his disciples, talking to the crowds. He's using stories. He's using the Old Testament. He's using other teachings. He's always teaching them things. Right? He uses situations to teach them. I don't know about you, but sometimes God uses experiences to teach me something. God uses a situation or an experience to teach me about peace, to teach me about joy, to teach me about patience, right? And Jesus does this. He, he heals a leper to teach them that he makes things clean. He, he forgives the woman caught in the act of adultery to teach them about forgiveness. He does all these miracles. He, he calls Matthew the tax collector to teach him it's not all about who you are, your national identity, how you behave. Jesus is constantly teaching his disciples. And they're unlearning. They're unlearning their racial bias against the Samaritans. They're unlearning that it's all about their national identity, right? So they're learning, they're unlearning, they're learning. And if me and you, if we're disciples, we should be constantly be learning. Learning, discovering, experiencing. You know, some things we learn, and then we really learn them. I don't know if you experienced that. Some things we know... But then we really know. I'll give you an example of something I've learned recently. Is There's a verse in Colossians that hit me between the eyes a couple months ago. And I'm paraphrasing it, but it says, As your roots grow down deep, as you follow Jesus, you'll overflow with thankfulness. 
And that word overflowed just, just smacked me across the, across the head because that's such an that's such a illustrative, powerful word. And I read that and I'm like, I don't think I've ever overflown with thankfulness. Because <laughs> that sounds pretty special. That sounds pretty amazing and I don't think I've done it. And so I, I, I've known what thankfulness means. I understand it. I know what to... But I haven't, I, I know it, but I, I don't know it. So in these past few weeks and months, I've been practicing thankfulness. I've been trying to do thankfulness. I've been trying to experience thankfulness. I've been trying to have that heart. And because as we follow Jesus, we never stop learning. Sarah said it. There's always things we don't understand and know. And Jesus always has something new, has something to, to tell us. And that's how we're going to spend time with God. That's how we're going to pre-read read our Bible. You might have read it a thousand times, but God might want to just point out something different. So what have you learnt lately? What's God shown you? What's God taught you? We should be learners. If we're disciples, we should be learners. Second is we should be servants. You look through the whole teaching of Jesus. He's about serving. He came to serve. I've got that passage in Mark, Julie, but I'm going to just skip uh, to verse... Actually, no, we'll read uh, verse 41. James and John, they asked to be special. They asked to have these special positions, and this is what happened. When the other ten disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know the rulers of this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority. But among you it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader amongst you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave. For even the Son of Man came to not to be served, but to serve others and give his life. Jesus said, amongst you, amongst us, me, you, it's going to be different because we're going to serve. We're not going to lord authority. We're not going to try and have power. We're not going to try and dominate one another. We're not going to try and better one another. But among my disciples, them and us, it's going to be different because we're going to serve. And Jesus illustrated it by just laying down his life, literally on the cross, but throughout his entire life, Jesus came to serve. And that's not popular. That's not the in thing to do at the moment, serve people. Uh, be selfless, look after, do things for one another. But it's what Jesus instructed us to do. You know, there's healing power in serving. You know, child soldiers taken as kids and forced into war, a part of their healing process, they make them all volunteer. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine if we did that in, in Australia. Right. All right, kids, part of your just development, you're going to go and volunteer. Everyone will be up in a roar. The parents, oh, that's not building their education. That's not, what a waste of time. To heal these children, they volunteer. Proverbs 11, verse 25. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will be refreshed. What do we do when we're tired or, or struggling or we withdraw back and look after me? Right? And again, uh, I'm not, there's wisdom in it all, but it promises that as we refresh others, we will be refreshed. 
As we serve others, we heal. You know, whenever you serve someone else, you don't leave empty, right? God's kingdom works different. When you serve, when you be selfless, when you lay down your life, you're, you're filled afresh, you're filled with joy. Those who refresh others will be refreshed. If you're, if you're feeling dry, find someone to refresh. There's a challenge. That's a bit different, isn't it? If you're feeling dry and worn out, who can you go and refresh? Even if you don't really believe it yet, why don't you just give it a shot? <laughs> just try it. Try it. See what happens. Those who refresh others will be refreshed. Another one that in disciples are part of a community. Jesus had 12 disciples, not one. They're a group. The ragtag, riffraff. We're called to community. We're called to be family. We can't be a disciple in isolation. You know, communities where we experience the love of God. Communities where we love God. Communities where we find abundant life. Communities where we, we find the power of God. And, and community can be really hard work. Because none of us are perfect, and then we have bad days. Right? None of us are perfect, we're all different, and we have bad days. So we've got to try hard. We've got to be full of grace, we've got to be full of forgiveness, we've got to be full of love. But we follow Jesus together, we encourage one another, we pray together, we support, we grow together, we learn off one another. We celebrate together, we mourn together. To be a disciple is to be a part of community. To be a disciple is to be uncomfortable. Whew. If you look at the, the four Gospels of Jesus, the disciples were constantly uncomfortable. <laughs> they were in literal storms where they thought they were going to die. But they were in social settings that would have been uncomfortable. In the early days, Jesus calls his disciples to follow him, and then he calls a tax collector, which everyone else would have hated. Then he says, hey boys, I know you hate this tax collector, but let's all go to his house for dinner with all his tax collector mates. So you've got these people that hate each other, all having dinner together, and then Jesus is probably there pretending like it's the best thing in the world, and it is for him. Right. Constantly uncomfortable. Imagine he's touching lepers when no one's meant to touch. Uncomfortable. He's telling off the Pharisees. Uncomfortable. He's hanging out with Samaritans. Uncomfortable. He, he's forgiven a woman caught in the act of adultery. Uncomfortable. He dies. Uncomfortable. The whole time it's uncomfortable. And we're lucky because we're not... I, I'm really happy I didn't live then. I don't think I would have made it, to be honest. It's, life's still actually meant to be a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because when it's uncomfortable, we rely on God. Because He calls us into new. And I don't mean uncomfortable in a bad way, but let me give you an example. Jesus calls us to love when it's not normal to love. And that can be uncomfortable. He calls us to have peace when it's not normal to have peace. Uncomfortable. He calls us to step out and do new things which are uncomfortable. He calls us to talk to, to pray for people, to encourage people, and I might not be comfortable. 
You know, we did something in our drosten a month ago. We started a free tradie brekkie once a month. And it sounds like a great idea, but I was actually a little bit uncomfortable. Because I tell all the lads, all the boys around town, hey, we're doing this free tradie brekkie, and they all go, why? And that question is a little bit uncomfortable. And I, I gave a different answer every time, depending on who it was. But I had to get used to that, and it was uncomfortable. Because that's what they ask. And sometimes they go, oh, is it for mental health? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> the real reason, I can tell you, is we just want to do something nice to love and bless blokes and build community. But that's hard to explain that to the bricky, Right. So most of the time I let them come up with a reason and hopefully they can eat lots of bacon and we'll get there in time, right? But that was uncomfortable. Now I'm glad we've done the first one, so now it's going to be a little bit less uncomfortable. But we should be continually getting uncomfortable because when we get uncomfortable, we rely on God. When we pray those prayers, when we reach out to those people, when we start that initiative, when we love when we shouldn't, we need God and that's where we should be, needing God. If our life's full of comfort, we don't need God. Get uncomfortable. Try a new thing. Now, church is the comfiest place for me. It might not be for you. I'm not making that presumption. But it's, I'm here every week. It's normal. It's, it's, but God pulls us into the uncomfy, to love, to care, to reach out, to do things. In our walk with God. Hey, another thing, a disciple... Is, is they're obedient. You know, the disciples did a lot of silly things, right? Arguing and talking back. And, but they were, they were pretty obedient, really. They lowered their necks, they went out, they found a donkey. They did a lot of things. They got in the boat. They did a lot of things that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but they just did it. Jesus said, stay here, don't leave. They did it. They were obedient. I heard someone once say that if... if if God had a love language, it would be obedience. Now, I don't think God has a love language because you can't love God and like, to get attention or anything like that. But, but I see the point because it, it, obedience is how we respond to God's love. In 1 John 4, no, sorry, 1 John chapter 2, and it says in verse 3, and if we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show completely how they love him. This is how we know we're living in him. Those who say they live in God should know they live their lives as Jesus did. Obedience. Obedience is hearing it, receiving it, then doing it. And disciples obey. You know, how quickly we obey often dictates how, how blessed we are and how fruitful we are by the speed in which we obey. So God puts something on our heart through the Bible, through a sermon, through someone else. Maybe to pray for this or maybe to give this or maybe to start this initiative or do something else. And how quickly we obey dictates often our trajectory. Will we obey? Will we respond? What's God challenging you? What God's, what's God encouraging you to do? What does he put in your heart? Do it. That's obedience. That's a disciple. 
disciple is a follower. Not followed, follower. It's continual. Jesus to, to Simon and Simon Peter and Andrew, he says, hey, follow me. And then he left. Because they had to keep following him. All right. Jesus didn't have a, a, a one encounter with Peter and say, hey, you're done, sorted, off you go. It was continual. And for us, it's continual. Following Jesus, reading, praying, talking, gathering, learning, it's a continual thing. Continually following Jesus. Keep on walking, keep on praying, keep on doing things. One more. We want to be salt and light. Matthew, Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Salt and light. Salt adds flavour. You know, we're meant to add flavour to the atmospheres we go in. Light. We're meant to be light. We're meant to be in clarity and peace. As disciples of Jesus, we're meant to make a difference. When we enter a room, when we enter an environment, we're meant to make a difference. That's not being loud and in your face. It, it, it's what we carry. It's as we follow Jesus and as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what happens is when we follow Jesus, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, our natural turns to supernatural. Our ordinary turns to extraordinary as we follow Jesus, as we're filled in the Spirit. So as we follow Jesus, as we're filled with the Spirit and we go into our workplace, God gives us an idea straight from heaven to bless the workplace. As we, as we catch up with coffee with that friend, as we follow Jesus, as we're filled with the Spirit, we're given the exact word of encouragement to say, the prayer to pray. That salt and light, it's making a difference. It's shining, it's loving, it's adding flavour. When I think of salt and light, I think of my mate Eldon up at our Drossen. He runs a, a men's shed, he, he's, he's cooking brekkie at our trading brekkie, he's doing stuff at the price show, he's calling guys and encouraging them all over the place. He's, he follows Jesus, filled with his spirit, and he knows he's there to shine the love of God. Salt and light. And the beauty of it is, is you don't have to be or do anything special to make a difference, to shine light. We're all unique and we're all in different places. And all the requisite is, is to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, as we do these things, as we're filled with the Spirit, wherever we go, God will work in us and through us. Because it's not about our ability, it's not about our skills, it's not about our background or qualifications, it's about an open and willing heart being filled with God and just loving people. And what happens as you do your life, as you follow Jesus, in whatever that looks like, as you do it, God's with you, He's for you, His Spirit's within you, and it'll pour out of you. It'll pour out of you. Can't tell you how many spiritual Christian conversations I had at footy this year that didn't start out or didn't expect. As you go into regular as you're following Jesus, filled with the Spirit, in your schools, in, in workplaces, over the fence of your neighbour, 
salt and light. You know, God, Jesus, came to earth, laid down his life, removed and dealt with sin once and for all. He did it because he loves us. He loves you and me. God loves you and values you so much. And he invites us to follow him. He invites us to be a disciple. He wants to give us life, forgiveness, freedom, abundant life. And it happens in the following. We're forgiven as we follow Jesus, but the abundant life, the freedom, the peace, the grace, the love, that comes in the following as we continue to follow Jesus. And that invitation's there for all of us. And we are, we're called to make disciples. But I just, I just felt just to stop and have a think. Say, God, is there anything you want to adjust in us? Is there anything you want to encourage us in? Is there anything maybe of, have I stopped learning? Do I think I've got it all sorted out? Do I think I've got it all together? Are you trying to show me something new? Have I lost the heart to serve, maybe? I don't know. Have I stopped valuing community ever? Am I too comfy? <laughs> am I too comfy? Am I obedient? Am I, am I following? Am I salt and light? Am I? There'd be a bunch of others that you read disciples through the Gospels. God, just speak to us and... Now, when you follow Jesus, it's not just to raise your hand, one and done, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, see you in heaven. Like, it's, it's the start of the following. And that's maturity in faith, is following Jesus, growing in faith. And when you follow Jesus, when you grow in faith within you, it has to affect that around you. And I'm not, I'm not a big one for, I, lo- I love a, a decision, hand raised, decision, altar call, but that's just a start. We almost need to do that by ourselves in our bedroom every morning. Yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you today. I'll follow you. Have your way in me. Lead me, teach me, guide me. Teach me. Fill me afresh. What do I need to? What do I need to adjust? What do I need to do today, God? How can I join in with Your purpose, Your kingdom, Your plan? You know, disciples. That's maturity in faith. And like I said, we're called to make disciples. There's nothing about. There's no getting around that. But sometimes I think it's good to stop and look. Hang on. Not that we're ever going to have it all together. Me and you, us, we're never going to be a perfect disciple because we're not Jesus, right? You know, these guys hang out with Jesus for three years and some of them are still pretty messed up, right? And so, so we're not going to be, we'll have it all together anytime soon, right? <laughs> but if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to teach, help God, if we're going to lead other people and help them follow Jesus, we have a responsibility to, to, to take that upon ourselves to be disciples, And I can't do that for you, you can't do it for someone else. Only we can follow Jesus for ourselves and keep following Jesus.
So if the keys could just come, that'd be great as we finish off. And God, we, we just invite you to speak to us. Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to continue to follow you, Jesus. And what you've got for us has got nothing to do with how many years in church, how old we are, what books we've read, what courses we've done. And we're all disciples, we're all in the same boat. Jesus, we all need you. And so every one of us, God, we just invite you to speak to us, we invite you to lead us, we invite you just to put something on our heart, God. Something to maybe encourage us, something to guide us, something to lead us in. Maybe it's how we do community. Maybe it's how we serve. Maybe it's the heart and the vision and the purpose we go out into our community. Maybe we've got to get a bit more uncomfortable. God, each and every one of us, we're followers of you, Jesus. And so I, I just pray, lead us, guide us, transform us. Renew our minds, as it says in Romans. Let us understand and experience your love. Let our roots grow down deep, as it says in Ephesians. Let us overflow with thankfulness, as it says in Colossians. Holy Spirit. Have your way in us. Reveal things. Teach us. Let us experience. We don't have it all together. We don't know it all. We come back with maybe humble, childlike hearts. Jesus, have your way in us. In us and through us. Holy Spirit. Even right now, I think, okay, this week, how am I going to follow Jesus? How am I going to be a disciple? Don't wait for Sunday. Don't wait for a, a Bible study or don't wait for that person or that sermon on YouTube. Or, how, how, are you, how can you be a disciple this week? How can you hear from God this week? How can you respond to God? How can you follow Jesus this week? Jesus, we just invite you to be Lord in our lives. You're not Lord unless we, we submit <laughs> and humble ourselves. So we, we invite you. We declare you're Lord in our lives. And we invite you to have your way. You don't force anything, God, but we invite you to have your way. We invite you to transform us, lead us, encourage us, challenge us, guide us. So we can follow you, so we can become more Christ-like, and so we can make disciples. I pray over this week, let it be blessed. God, give us ears to hear, eyes to hear, hearts to perceive your word for us, your, your, your peace, your Holy Spirit for us, but also give us eyes and ears to see those around us who we can be salt and light, who we can love, we can bless, we can bring your kingdom. God, to speak your life and light over our towns, our regions, our communities. Let them know your love, let them know your spirit and your freedom in the name of Jesus. God, as we gather together, as we have coffee, as we have conversations, let us refresh others and then be refreshed. Let us refresh others and then we'll be refreshed. So I speak your love, I speak your joy, I speak your life in abundance over this week. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Uh, grab a coffee with someone, catch up with someone. Hopefully see you next week for Father's Day.